Would you please turn with me to your study outlines? And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online, as well as our friends at First Baptist Church in Arco, Idaho, and also our friends at Purpose Church, Kalispell, Montana. We are so glad uh, that you're joining us today for our study of God's Word. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor Eric uh, preached on being married. And it is a tremendous message. I listened to it this past week, got so much out of it. It challenged me to reconnect with my wife, Kimberly, uh, to be a better husband, to, to be more all in in my marriage. A great challenge. I encourage you to go on our website and go online and get a hold of that message. Last Sunday, Pastor Eric did a great job. And we have uh, other marriage resources. We've got a great uh, biblical marriage enrichment class, a marriage enrichment class that meets at all three hours. Identical class. They're using some Stephen Furtick and his wife, uh, material, that he's just a tremendous pastor from North Carolina. And that uh, uh, marriage enrichment class is all three hours, as well as you'll see about our marriage mentoring that is there in your, um, your, uh, your bulletin, in your program. You'll see information about that. And so Pastor Eric did just a great, great job of talking about being married. This morning, I want to talk about being single. In 2014, just four years ago, for the first time in American history, there are more uh, American single adults than married adults. Uh, 50.2%, I'm sure now, four years later, given the trend that it's even more than that. And so for the first time in American history, there are more single adults in America than there are uh, married adults. And it's just crazy that we don't talk more about this in the church. Uh, Christina Cleveland uh, is a professor at uh, Duke Divinity School. And, and she says that in, in her study, in her survey, she found for every one Christian book on being single, there are 298 Christian books on being married. Uh, that's almost a 300 to 1 ratio. And yet 50% of Christ's followers in our nation are single. 50% are married, 50% are, are, are single adults. Um, despite the fact that it's 50-50, despite the fact that Christianity was started by a single Christian guy, okay? A single guy. Started it all, Jesus. And so our, our faith, Christianity, was started uh, by a single guy. And that's why we're going to talk about two gifts this morning. The gift of being single, the gift of being married. Now, Jesus hardly counts because he was fully God, fully human, fully divine. And so he is the one that started it all, and he was a single guy. Uh, but I think, um, setting that aside for a moment, I think it's highly significant that of the two early church leaders, the main two leaders were Peter and Paul. And P Peter was a married Christ follower, and Paul was a single Christ follower. And I think it was almost God telling us right off the bat, because the two major leaders in the church, Peter and Paul, one a single adult, uh, one a married adult, he was telling us that for the last 2,000 years, Half of Christ's followers would be single, and half of Christ's followers would be married. And, and so there should be a balance within the ministry of the church and a balance in, in, in emphasis. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, is kind of a theme verse for us here. Uh, moving down to verse 7, I wish that all of you, this is Paul writing, were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So some have the gift, 50% of Christ followers in our country have the gift of being single, 50% uh, have the gift of being married. I want to talk about the gift of being single, and I want to talk to two groups uh, here today. Uh, and I believe that just like the choir, I, I love that song where they're singing, speak, Lord, speak, Lord. 
We come here with the anticipation. God invited you here. You're not here by accident. You didn't get up this morning on a gorgeous Southern California, beautiful day, and come here by accident. You came because you desired to be here to worship God and to hear a word from God. And so we're all praying, speak, Lord. And, and, and I believe that if you are a single adult, God has a word for you. And the first half of what I want to talk about is if you're single and, and, the, chances, and the chances are that you're going to remain single, well, then I've got a word from God for you. But if you're single and, and at some future time you're going to be married, then I have a, a word from God for you as well. And then I have a word from God for those of us that are married, that this should be our attitude, that Peter and Paul, we're a church of Peters and Pauls, and we are working together to build the kingdom of God. Uh, Peters, who have the gift of marriage, Pauls, who have the gift of being single. And so just like last week, uh, singles heard a word from God, even as Pastor Eric was speaking to those that are already married, then today God has a word to those that are married within the church so that we have a common message, a, a together message with regard uh, to uh, both of these gifts that God has given to us. Now, the gift of being single, first of all, is undivided concern. Uh, picking it up with verse 25, again in chapter 7. And you know, I encourage you, before you go to bed tonight, read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's just a great, in-depth, balanced view of these two gifts that God has given to us. Verse 25, now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, there was persecution going on in the church at this time, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. He said there, he doesn't mean with each other so much. Oh man, I didn't get a laughter at the 830 service on that one. Yeah. Okay, maybe we're going back to marriage next week. You know, so. But... But he's just saying, when there's trouble, when there's persecution in the church, to have multiple responsibilities and not just being able to be concerned to yourself within that and un, undivided concern, it, it leads to problems. And so he said, those who marry will face many troubles. I never saw it that way until you guys said, and I want to spare you this. All right. And by the way, Paul is single who's writing this, so he's speaking in favor of it. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they, those that do not. Now, what he means by that is don't make marriage an idol. And if we're single, we can make getting married an idol. And if we're married, we can make marriage an idol, putting it in front of God. What I mean, brothers, those who mourn, um, uh, okay, where am I? Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. He says everything should be about eternity. And he's saying that if you are, are single, you have undivided concern about eternal things. He goes on to say in the next verse, verse 32, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. 
But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. And so Paul is saying that if you are single, you are able to have an undivided concern, living just for eternity, living for the things of God, undivided concern, concerned for how your life will have an impact for all of eternity. Uh, David Quaid writes, a few singles quickly mention the blessings and opportunities that singleness brings. I think the fact that singleness can be an advantage is hardly ever addressed in the church, said one friend. Some of us singles may actually want to be single if that means more leverage for the gospel. Whether it's overseas missions, serving the church, or more time for evangelism, singleness offers a lot of advantages that married people don't have. Don't waste this time. You can be undivided in your concern for things that matter for eternity. And then the second one is undivided devotion. It says in verse 35, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Undivided devotion to the Lord. Tony Reinke writes, marriage is a beautiful gift, but it also comes packaged with routines and obligations, certain domestic distractions, demanding much attention. In embracing the blessings of marriage, spouses also willingly accept the distractions of the married life and relinquish what Paul sees as the undistracted life, the gift of singleness. Now, Paul goes so far as to talk about greater happiness. Now, he was a single guy, so he was advocating, saying, this really works great for me, and I think it will work great for you. Verses 39 and 40, he goes on to say, a woman is not bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes but he must belong to the Lord. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. For the remainder of our time, let's talk about if you're single, but how do you go about pursuing in a godly way uh, possibly being married at some point in the future, the gift of being married? Now, Pastor Eric dashed all of our heart in every great romance movie last Sunday when he destroyed the myth of the soulmate. And he said that every high schooler gets their heart broken when he stands up and tells them there is no soulmate out there. And here's the, here's the danger of the myth of the soulmate is because if you get married to somebody and then you run into troubles that we were just laughing about, uh, it's, not, it's not perfect, you're running into some difficulties, all of a sudden Satan will whisper in your ear, oh, you know what the problem is? You missed your soulmate. You made a mistake. This is not the right person. Your soulmate is out there. Now, you have three out of, wars one out of three and a half billion people potential on the planet. There's one soulmate out there. And so as soon as you run into trouble in your marriage, people begin to think, and this is a common thing. Oh, I, I, I missed my soulmate. So let's dump this relationship and let's continue the pursuit of the soulmate. So the better question than how to find my soulmate is how do you find a person suitable for you to marry, that, that would, God would be pleased with for you to marry? And so I want us to look at the story of Isaac and Rebekah. And again, like 1 Corinthians chapter 7, before you go to bed tonight, read this entire chapter. It's a, it's a great story. And read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 from the New Testament and read Genesis 24, the entire story uh, from the Old Testament. Here are some four biblical principles I want to share with you. First of all, commit to finding a fellow Christ follower, like Paul had said, that that person has to be in the Lord. Uh, we begin our story with verse one. Uh, Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. 
He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Aren't you glad they don't do business deals that way anymore, you know? You go in to sign a deal or a contract tomorrow, it's like, put your hand under my thigh. You know, that, that really creepy. All right. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I'm living. That is from people that are not followers of the one true God, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh. Uh, They're followers of other gods, other idols. Don't go there. But we'll go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. That is fellow followers of, of the one true God. Commit to finding a fellow Christ follower. Secondly, ask God for his guidance. Now, this seems like a no-brainer, but so many times we miss this. We just out there trying to find that person, and we haven't stopped to say, God, what is your best for me? I I, want to follow what your best plan is for me. And here's what the servant begins with in verse 12. Then he prayed. First thing he did, he prayed. Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring. And the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. I think this is more than just a random test. This is a character test. Will this be a person of service? Will this be a person who goes the extra mile in serving? By this I will know that you have shown kindness uh, to my master. And here's the main point, and, and, and I believe that if you're single and you think you're going to be married someday, that God got you here just to hear this. This is what he asked you here to hear. This is, when you say, speak, Lord, speak, Lord, this is what God wants to say to you. Be the kind of person you would like to marry. Uh, Andy Stanley writes, and, and by the way, if, if you are single and think you may still be married, This book is a must-read. The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating by Andy Stanley. Absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal book. Uh, The best way to know if someone is prepared to commit is to examine his or her prior commitments. If you want to know how someone will behave tomorrow, take a look at what he or she did yesterday. Uh, Picking it up now with verse 15. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. So she was a fellow follower of God. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. Now, this is a very pushy thing. He could have done it himself. She didn't have to serve him. This is hard work on her part. Well, look what happens. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. She was not only a person that wanted to serve, she was a person that was enthusiastic to serve. She was a person who was, who was quick to serve. She quickly lowered it. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too. Now, camels drink a lot. And so she would have been running back and forth, back and forth for a long period of time, hauling water for all these camels until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, 
and drew enough for all his camel. This girl's always on the move, running back and forth, back and forth, serving, 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 serving. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring, now we're talking, weighing a becca, which would be 5.7 grams of gold, and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels, that is 150 grams of gold. We are talking serious bling here, okay? Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Bilkah bore to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on this journey to the house of my master's relatives. The young woman ran, no surprise there, and told her mother's household about these, about these things. Be the kind of person you would like to marry. Andy Stanley writes, and this is really the heart of his book, become the right person. Becoming the right person is how you prepare to commit. Becoming the right person dramatically increases your odds of sustained relational success when you finally meet the right person. Becoming the right person dramatically increases the likelihood of being attracted to the person who is right for you. If you are as intentional about becoming the right person as you are about meeting the right person, you will position yourself to bypass a boatload of unnecessary pain, regret, and wasted time. I'm absolutely convinced people who are committed to becoming the right people are better equipped to identify and avoid the wrong people along the way. And then the fourth point, have the faith of the person that you would, would like to marry. Verse 57. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. Is she willing to leave? Is Rebecca willing to leave her family, her mom, her dad, her brothers and sisters, leave everything familiar and go who knows where to some far country with a, a different group of people, uh, leaving all of that behind? Does she have the faith? Does she have the courage to trust God to do this? So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. Jesus came through this story. That means the blessing has gone on to billions upon billions of us sitting here today. May your offspring possess the cities." Of their enemies. Then Rebecca and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel. Let's hold that just for a minute, because in the old King James translation is the first mention of cigarettes in the Bible. It literally says, it literally says, Rebecca lit off her camel. And so, so stupid. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? 
He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And that's the end. (laughs) This love story produced Jesus. Uh, Praise band can come up now. Sorry, you guys. Hold you up. (laughs) Had you guys coming up the first video, huh? We didn't talk about that in Q-sheet meeting, did we? He comes up, and I'm like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. (laughs) The end. Out of this love story came Christ. Out of this love story came Jesus. And that's why we're here today. And everybody here is welcome to share the Lord's Supper. Um, You just need to know that you've made a decision to open up your heart to receive him, to follow him. You're part of that prophecy that they prayed over Rebecca. May, May your offspring produce the thousands upon thousands. It went from thousands upon thousands to millions upon millions to now billions upon billions, the greatest movement in all of world history. You're part of that. You're in that story. You're, you're, you're here as a result of the blessing on Rebecca and Isaac's marriage that produced Christ eventually. But you need to open up your heart and receive him as your Lord and Savior. You say, Glenn, I'm not sure if I've done that or if I'd like to do that today, how would I go about doing it? Right there in front of you in the book rack is a resource card that looks like this. It talks about the three steps to following Christ. And then there's a little suggested prayer. And if you've ever prayed that prayer or something like it in the past, or you could pray it today, you could pray that prayer today and be part of that story that I just read. You could be the fulfillment of prophecy that 2,000 years later, no, 4,000 years later, from that prophecy, on the other side of the world in Southern California, you open up yourself to Christ to become a part of God's story. And if you have done that in the past, or if you'd like to do it today, you are welcome to show that, to honor him outwardly by sharing the Lord's Supper right now. So let's take just a moment and prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper.